Hey, 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 welcome to another Pastor Duke podcast coming to you from Rock Hill, South Carolina. We've been down south six weeks now. I'm trying to learn how to talk all over again. I'm fixing to get adjusted to this new culture here. Got to get used to all these nice people. But we are loving it. Got a great church here and um, reunited with uh, three grandchildren. Disappointed leaving five back in New York. But uh, we do believe God wants us here for now. And today's podcast is one of those things that's uh, deep on my heart, one of those life experiences that wasn't easy, but it was good. It's about prayer. It's about uh, the unfolding of life for those of us who love the Lord. And I would say up front by way of uh, preparing the soil for the message, uh, we're talking about prayer. We're talking about when God says no. In prayer, it's for your own good. Be sharing some of my testimony. Been be looking at examples when God said no in the Old Testament. When God said no to Paul in the New Testament. When God said no to me, <laughs> it gets personal. Oh, the disappointment, the frustration. But I think all of this would qualify for this message is we're talking about people who are really trying to serve the Lord. We'll look at Moses. We'll look at David. We'll look at Paul. Uh, I don't want to put myself at all uh, on their level, but I am committed to Jesus. I do love him. I am called according uh, to his purpose. And on a much tiny scale, uh, we face the same things because we serve the same God. We live in the same fallen flesh. We live in the same fallen world. So when God says no, uh, I think you're going to find out <laughs> it's a good thing. It's for your own good. How many of us have felt crushed when a passionate prayer request we laid before God came back with a resounding no from God? How many of us have heard people say, well, prayer has no power uh, in my life. It's not real for me. I tried it. Nothing happened. If there is a God, he wasn't listening. Uh, uh, or even worse, he said no. Boy, I, I've heard people say that. It's, it's heartrending. I, I would say maybe their commitment to the Lord wasn't so great up front. But I think all of us have heard that. It's sad, but it's out there. In my 51 years journey with Jesus and my reading of 174th time through the Holy Bible, finish it up in three days, uh, number 174th reading of the scriptures, I have some fabulous news for you. God answers all of our prayers, whether we feel like it or not. If we are truly repentant, blood-bought children of God, he answers every prayer in one of three ways. Number one, yes. Number two, no. Number three, wait. I've also learned and will testify here, when God has told me no, it was for the very best reasons. When God said no to me, it turned out to be a good thing. We're going to look into that very deeply here in just a few minutes. I just think of myself as a parent. I said no to my kids uh, probably a whole lot more than I said yes. And everything, every time I said no, it was because I love them 
and I was trying to teach them something that they probably really didn't want to learn, if I had always said yes, uh, it would have been chaos uh, around our house. If I would have always said yes, there would have been no broccoli, no spinach, no healthy food. But uh, God put on our hearts to be uh, biblical parents, and saying no is part of the deal. If we do that on an earthly level, should we be surprised that our Heavenly Father would do it uh, to us whom he loves as his children here on earth? But first we'll go to Scripture and see some of the fantastic answers of no in the lives of God's some of God's strongest people. God said no to Moses at age 40 when he tried to deliver Israel in his own power. Remember his birth and found by Pharaoh's daughter, uh, uh, adopted into the royal family in line possibly of being Pharaoh himself. Well, he knew he was Jewish. He knew he was, uh, his people were in subjection to, uh, merciless subjection to the Egyptians. And he tried and failed to deliver his people at age 40, when he slew the Egyptian taskmaster who was abusing one of the Jewish slaves, it hid his body uh, in a shallow grave in the sand and uh, thought his uh, presentation offering of himself to the Jewish people, they would understand, they would rally around him, there would be some kind of a slave revolt that he would lead, lead and uh, it didn't happen. He had a vision, but God said, no, his vision died. God had some huge things to teach Moses, his vision, and now the death of the vision. What would God have up his sleeve next? Well, of course, he continued on, and we're going to find out. God said, no. Moses had some really big things to learn about his creator, God. No means it's learning time for you, Moses. No means it is waiting time. I don't know about you, but I don't like to wait. <laughs> I hate lines. I hate to wait in line. I hate to go slow on the road. Moses would be learning for the next 40 years. God didn't need Moses' inside political connections, didn't need his access to the Egyptian media. God didn't need Moses' potential airship to being a new pharaoh one day. He would be learning that hard spiritual lesson, not by power, nor by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Moses put it all on the line when he defended the helpless Jewish slave and killed the merciless Egyptian slave driver, hid the body, and uh, Moses thought, boy, this is how it's going to unfold, but it didn't unfold at all like Moses thought it would or should. It just didn't happen Moses' way. There was no lack of commitment on Moses' part, and that's an important thing. God's always asking commitment from us to do the next right thing and to trust him. Even if we don't understand what's going on, we can count on it that God always knows what's going on. So Moses made his commitment, but it didn't work. He had a lot of hard things to learn. Probably so do we. God knew exactly what he was doing and why and when and how, his deliverance would come for his children. But for now, Moses' prayer was answered, no. 
that would turn into a 40-year wait. And I'm sure most of that time wasn't <laughs> all that much fun. He went to being royalty uh, in the home of Pharaoh, in the castle, if you please, in the palace. And now he's a shepherd on the backside of the Midian Desert, man. He went from the top to the bottom. See, there's things you can learn on top, not too much, but there's a lot of things you can learn on the bottom. And that's exactly where God put him. Moses had some things to learn. His vision is now dead, but would become a resurrected vision in God's time. Vision, death of vision, and supernatural resurrection of vision is a spiritual principle that has been going on on planet Earth between God and man for a long, long time, and you and I are not above that. Those 40 years of waiting were not fun, but would turn out to be hugely valuable for Moses. Moses would uh, learn his way through that vast desert wilderness, and that will come in handy <laughs> when it is time for the Jews to be delivered. He would find a wonderful wife. He would have two fine sons. And so he waited, and he wondered. He wallowed in disappointment. He probably thought, woulda, coulda, shoulda. What did I do wrong? All that drama until he saw the burning bush. <laughs> I have a sermon called, Any Old Bush Will Do. And his dead vision would raise uh, from death to life because now he's going to find it is God's time. God would not need any of Moses' former resume of Egyptian political uh, or media or monetary connections. All he would need was a common shepherd's staff. God said, no, Moses, not now, not as you think. I love you, man, but uh, trust me, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> See, that's what God's really looking from us that we learn to trust him, that we don't lean to our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge him. God said no to Moses. Turned out it was a good thing. God knew what he was doing. Number two, God said no to David. You're not going to build me a temple, 2 Samuel chapter 7. Uh, David was thrilled. I got a dream. I'm going to build a temple. It's not fair. All the other false gods have these beautiful temples all around the world. And our God's got a tent and I want to build him a temple. It goes to the prophet Nathan. Nathan says initially, yes, that night God visited. Nathan said, no. Nathan had to take that news to David in the morning. No, David, you're not going to build the temple. And David's heart sunk, I'm sure, just for a moment. But God had, turns out, had better news. God says, you're not going to build me a temple. I'm going to build you a temple. I'm going to build you a house. We call that house, call it the house of David. We call it the Davidic covenant built upon the Abrahamic covenant. The Jews are God's chosen people. The Redeemer will come through the Jews. God's lifted up a king after God's own heart. His name was David, and God's making a promise to David that one... Number one, your son Solomon will build the temple. You will amass the supplies. You'll have a big part in it, but Solomon, your son, will build the temple. But I'm going to see to it that one from your seed, one from of your descendants, will sit upon the throne of Israel forever. 
14 generations later, Israel would fall to Babylon, and there would be no seated king in Israel, but the genealogical records were meticulously kept, and 14 generations from the fall of Babylon, a virgin named Mary who was espoused to a guy named Joseph, who just happened to be the 13th generation from the Babylonian fall, Joseph was the rightful heir to being king of Israel. And by his adopting Jesus, he wasn't his earthly biological father, but by adoption, Jesus was the rightful heir to the king of Israel. Oh, I'm sure that was not a coinky dink. He would have a son, Mary would have a son whose name would be Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. So once again, God's prayer answered no to David was a huge blessing to him. God had way bigger plans than David did. God had way bigger plans than Moses had ever dreamed. The no was a temporary disappointment for them but the end was beyond their wildest dreams. They could only see the immediate. God could see the ultimate. I think I need to say that again. We can only see the immediate. God can see the ultimate. He knows what he's got up his sleeve, and if we're faithful to him, you're going to like it. It's going to be good. I didn't say it's going to be easy, but it is going to be good. It was the best thing that ever happened to Moses. It was the best thing that ever happened to David when God said no. So now we'll see the same thing in the New Testament as God said no to the Apostle Paul. It was early in the second missionary journey. Paul had just had a uh, heated breakup with his beloved Barnabas, his mentor, whom he had teamed with on their first missionary journey. The division between these spiritual giants came concerning John Mark, who on the first uh, missionary journey, part of the team with Paul and Barnabas dropped out. Uh, No details are given. He just quit, and uh, the Holy Spirit chose not to write. Why? Um, But along the way, Barnabas returned. uh, Excuse me, John Mark returns. Barnabas wanted to give him a second chance and be part of the team again for the second missionary journey. Paul said, no way, you can take him, but I'm not. uh, He had his chance with me. I'll take Silas. And a second team was launched, kind of like a church split. (laughs) It was dramatic. Uh, Barnabas and Paul were tight. Barnabas was Paul's mentor. It was a public issue. The church kind of saw this unfolding. It was embarrassment. I hate to see people fussing, but it happens even among God's servants. Uh, God's uh, servants aren't supposed to fuss, but sometimes it happens. It was awkward for them. It was something Paul hadn't uh, been through before that that we we could ever see in Scripture. He never dreamed of serving without Barnabas. Man, we're tight. And Well, that was the backdrop of Paul's huge no concerning prayer. Paul would have two closed doors in his face, and they were just about to unfold. So Paul and Barnabas were not enemies. They just uh, divided uh, and uh, 
redirected, they coordinated their efforts in revisiting the churches they had launched on their first missionary journey, then it was time uh, to launch out to new areas to evangelize. Paul was one of those go big or go home kind of guys. I love that. I I hope I'm that kind of guy too. He prayed, Lord, I'll go to Asia, the biggest of all continents. God said, no, Paul, you ain't going to Asia. I, I think it was a shock to Paul. He'd never seemed to have had God say no to him before. Paul's like, oh, okay, I'll go to Bithynia. God said, no, you won't. That's all recorded in Acts chapter 16. Uh, I believe Paul was a little bit uh, rocked by that. There had been no previously recorded closed doors, Uh, no uh, nose in his face. Uh, And I think Paul was perhaps uh, doing some contemplation over maybe why God had said no. Was God punishing me for uh, hard-heartedness towards John Mark? Should I have forgiven him? Uh, Was I foolish in breaking up uh, my gospel partnership with Barnabas? Uh, Should I go back and (laughs) make that right? Uh, I think it was kind of a hard uh, uh, to find sleep that night for the Apostle Paul. But... That very night came one of those so few but so sacred dreams, a clear vision from God for the next steps. I'm going to do the New York accent here on the answer to prayer here. Yo, Paul, God speaking. Yo, Paul, I still love you, man. Uh, You're not going to Asia. You ain't going to Bithynia, uh, but uh, I'm going to take you to Macedonia. How's that? (laughs) You're going to love what I got up my sleeve for you in Macedonia. And at the church of Philippi, the first church to be birthed there on this Macedonian call, later Thessalonica, Berea, some of Paul's greatest churches were just around the corner. But that that all came after a giant, no, Paul, you're not going to Asia. No, Paul, you're not going to Bithynia. I'm not leaning on you to guide your own steps, Paul. That's my job. Paul's favorite church, it seems to me, uh, was at Philippi. Oh, what a glorious uh, church plant that was. Lydia gets saved. The seller of purple opens her home. She's a pretty wealthy gal. Man, she sold out to Jesus. We have the story of the uh, Philippian jailer. He gets saved in the middle of the night and nurses Paul and Silas's wombs. His whole family gets saved and baptized. Paul's sweetest church plants came after the bitter, no, Paul, you're not doing that. I got better plans for you. Well, just like Moses, just like David, God's no's are fantastic. What God had planned for them was better than what they had planned for themselves. So how does all this apply to us? I'll give you my testimony of how God's huge no's in my life <laughs> were a blessing. Many of you know my testimony. A girl named Ginny brought me to Christ. She was beautiful, and uh, I leaned on her in those early days to help get me launched, planted into the church, and she kind of headed south. She kind of turned away from the Lord, broke my heart. I wanted to marry her so bad. You can go back on some of my earlier podcasts, uh, The Greatest Test of All, hear that whole story. But long story short, dramatic story made short, 
she married another guy, and I knew when that happened in uh, Labor Day weekend, 1973. I was only 19 years old. God had called me to preach. I was just getting grounded in the local church. I was waiting for her to return. We were going to get married, go to Bible college together. She married another man, <laughs> and I knew that was God's no, Duke. You're not going to marry her. And I was heartbroken, and I was disappointed, and I wanted to have a big old pity party. I remember uh, my spiritual mother who sort of adopted me, Mrs. Hager, Mark's dear mother, uh, Janet Hager, she'd hold me, and, and I'd weep on her shoulder, and she said, Duke, Duke, don't get stupid. God knows what he's doing. Just commit yourself to doing the next right thing. God has something better. God has someone better. I... I didn't really want to hear that at the time. I was heartbroken. But you know what? God, she was right. God did have somebody better, somebody stable, somebody beautiful, somebody that would meet my every need, somebody would make the sacrifices that need to be made to plant churches in a very dark part of our country. So God said, no, Duke, you're not going to marry that girl. And there was a couple other minors. You're not going to marry Janice. You're not going to marry Cindy. And uh, so that was, but that Jeannie was the big one. But that no from God, though it broke my heart, it turned out to be a, a fabulous blessing. The right woman came in the right time and three beautiful kids, one in the ministry, two grandkids preparing for ministry, eight grandchildren, a grandchild in heaven. Thank you, Jesus, for saying no. You're so awesome. Number two, another uh, no for me was summer of 76 coming. I'm finishing my junior year in Bible college, and I was an RA. They called us dorm moms uh, in, in our Bible college in that day. I, I tell people I had 48 sons before I was even married. <laughs> no daughters, but 48 sons as a dorm mom. And I had a lot of visibility on campus. Our school was the largest Bible college in the world at that time. And um, I was pretty proud to be part of that. And I had a lot of preachers were looking at me, can you come do my camp and be one of our leaders in our camp in Colorado, huge camp, 500 kids every week and a camp in New Hampshire, camp in Florida. God said, nope, you're going to Detroit, hot town, summer in the city, back of my neck, getting dirt and gritty, gone to Detroit, do not pass, go, do not collect $200. You're going to go door to door to door. I got bit by four dogs that summer. Uh, you're going to go door to door and tell children that Jesus loves them and beg them to come ride on your Sunday school bus. That did not seem to be a, a great summer lined up for me, but guess what? That's the summer I get invited to this prayer meeting on my knees. Girl comes in late uh, uh, for the prayer meeting. She just got out of work, came straight to the prayer meeting, and I peeked. It was Joellen and all that heartbreak from uh, back in 1973. God healed it. Oh, my goodness. When God said, no, Duke, you're not going to marry Jeannie. Oh, thank you, Lord. No, Duke, you're not going to Colorado. No, you're not going to New Hampshire. No, you're not going to Florida. You're going to Motown. <laughs> Love that Motown sound. God's no opened the door for the most fabulous blessings to come into my life. Number three, no, Duke, you are not going to England as a missionary. For years, I used to sign the yearbook at school, Duke Herget, missionary to England. Everybody thought, oh, Duke's going to be a missionary to England. Well, turned out 
God said no. I, it was a long story. I was going to go independent, not through a mission board. Joanne didn't have the right qualifications to qualify academically for those boards, although her spiritual commitment was fantastic, as life has proven out. But uh, that door closed, and um, we're not going to England. And uh, it kind of hurt my ego. And, well, Lord, if we're not going to go to England, where are we going to go? And we knocked on doors uh, to... to church planting in the Pacific Northwest, the state of Minnesota, we looked, uh, in the state of Arkansas, and a friend from Bible College uh, from Buffalo, New York, his name was Rich, he said, have you ever considered New York? And it was just like that, oh my goodness, New York, I, I didn't know there was a whole state that went along with New York City, I didn't know there were trees in New York, I didn't know there was good deer hunting and trout fishing and the Great Lakes and the beaches and the mountains. And that's another long story um, made short. God said, no, you're not going to England. You're going to go to New York. And you can hear lots of my testimony in that another podcast. But see, that no was fantastic. God knew exactly what he was doing. Number four, uh, it was about second year into our, our church. We're running about 45 people in the basement of the Key Bank in Clifton Park. We had opportunity to buy, we call it the Covell property, about an acre of property. It had an, an old Methodist church building on it. it had, I think it was a barn that they renovated into a church. It was built in 1828, and they had a little carriage house where they used to park the horses. When people came to church there, it would seat maybe 75 people. I'm thinking, well, we're running 40. We could almost double uh, there, and we were going to renovate the little carriage house uh, into an apartment for us to live, and and uh, and we were going to meet the guy at uh, eight uh, eight thirty in the morning, and uh, we had five thousand dollar down payment. And he called me at eight o'clock, said he wanted ten thousand dollars down. I got thirty minutes to come up with five thousand more. I said it's a deal breaker. He thought we were some rich fat cat church people or something that had access to a lot of money. But I, I said, no, I, I, I can't do that. He said, the deal's off. And I was brokenhearted. No, Duke, you're not going to get the Covell property. So we got to stay in the bank another year. <laughs> oh my goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. My home pastor came up soon after that deal fell through. I took him over and showed him the property that we didn't get. He rejoiced. He said, Duke, he said, your God is way bigger than this. And, and pastor was right, and God said no, and within a few months, we owned the property on Lower Newtown Road, and one year later, our little building went up, our original building, and we paid uh, less money for the brand new building, than we're and we got more land than we would have gotten with the Covell property, and there's a huge story that goes along with this, but you know what? God's no was a blessing. And more recently, I fast forward about 40 years now, COVID hits, uh, 2020, March, and uh, uh, my travels were done. I mean, I, I, I could maybe go to the store, mask up, glove up, and go to the store. My ministry was over as far as traveling. Uh, I was speaking about 20,000 people a year uh, on the road, face-to-face, -face, live, and um it was disappointing not really being able to preach. It was killing me. I'd been preaching for 40, um, 40 years, but uh, see, God knew uh, 
excuse me, almost 50 years. God knew what he was doing. And this guy named John Westfall, Pastor John, says, Duke, will you be on a podcast with me? I'm like, what's a podcast? Oh, I was about to learn. And so he brought me in, and I co-host with John to this day called According to John. If you're not listening to According to John, what's the matter with you? Tune it in on any uh, podcast platform, According to John. I'm his co-host. We hit the, I mean, John ducks, no punches, man. He he turned over every rock. He's bold in the Lord. He loves God. The man walks by faith. Uh, he He's the most benevolent man I know. Uh, he rocks it. So he brought me onto his podcast, and it, it, we just have a, a we kind of click together, kind of like a Christian Cheech and Chong, and we just we just flow together, and we've teamed well. And then John got my face, said, Duke, you need to do your own podcast, not to cast me away from his, but he knew there was a lot of things in my heart, like this, like this, for instance, that I wanted to have record, wanted to outlive me. And so he, I had no clue how to do any of this, but he, he lined it up, bought all my equipment and uh, showed me how to do it. He does my editing and, um, He's going to hear this before you do. He's going to get take out all the ands, ums, and uh, you know what it means, and all the bl- the blank spots. <laughs> Go ahead and leave that one in, Johnny. And um, COVID closed the door. God said, no, you're not going to be traveling like you used to. So I went from that closed door and no longer speaking to those 20,000 people a year live to speaking to 400,000 people through podcast. How cool is that? You see? Whether it's Moses or David or Paul or the Duke Meister or you, God is big. God is good. He loves you. And if you're committed to him, I, when he says no, thank him for it. He knows what's going on. He knows best. It'll turn out in a wonderful way in the end. Trust him. Trust him. Trust him. Now, if we're not committed, I don't think this even applies. Uh, God doesn't hear the prayer of sinners. He, he pays it no mind. But when we're tenderhearted, brokenhearted, living for him, seeking him, he knows what he's doing, and it's good. So when you get a prayer answered, no. A lot of times that no turns into wait. <laughs> but you'll be so glad you waited. God is good. His plans are awesome. You don't want to miss what he's got up his sleeve. So sell out to Jesus. Confess your sins daily. Walk closely to him. Plug into your church. Be a servant. Don't find out what's wrong with the people in church. Find out what's right. Let, go to church. Let somebody love on you. Find your spiritual gift. Plug in. Follow the leadership of a godly pastor. Lay up treasures in heaven. Be a rich guy in heaven. Why not? Hey, thanks for tuning me in again. I uh, appreciate it if you would subscribe, uh, like, share and uh, help the podcast get out. Thanks a lot. Love you. See you next time. Bye-bye for now.